Holy Spirit unction for the earnings, the yearnings of our heart, Father God, our desire to be with you, in you, and you to be all around us. Father, we thank you, Lord. Father, we pray that we, everything we do in word and in deed, this message is called Word and Deed. And we want our words to be our deeds. And we don't want our words to fall to the ground. So, Father, we thank you for today, God. We thank you that our yeses will be yeses and our noes will be no. And we'll learn how to not say and commit ourselves to you or anything or anybody when we do not fulfill our commitments. And in this message, I'm going to, I had kind of two messages, and I'm going to marry them into one another to make one, and God started doing it that way. So anyway, this message is called Word and Deed. I'm reading from Matthew 5, 32-48. But I say unto you, whosoever shall put away his wife, saving the cause of fornication, cause her to cause her to commit adultery and whosoever shall marry her that is divorced committed adultery again you have heard that it was said by them of old time that thou shalt not forswear thyself forswear thyself but thou shalt perform unto the Lord all the else so in other words when we tell God or we tell one another things we have to be ready to commit them. And I'm going to show us some ways in that. And even when we say we're sorry, but we really don't repent. And that's going to be the second part of the message. And I'm going to blend these together because they're both important and they both bring everything to the pinnacle of deed. Because a lot of words are said in emotions. We say a lot of things out of emotions, or out of wanting to please man. But when we say something, God wants us to do it. And when we do it, we get the, the blessings and the favor and, and, and from God. So God wants to, as He's doing, teach us how to really repent and what real repentance is. And also, when we say something, so we don't go marry somebody and then already have in our mind or next week decide we're just going to marry somebody else so this is what God is saying here in this scripture as I go further you're going to understand what I'm saying and what he's saying and how if we don't really know we need not to say yes say no or commit ourselves or even say we're sorry if we're really not sorry if we're just saying sorry because we want someone else to feel good or we we're trying to get ourselves to feel better but we're really not ready to repent we're really not ready to kill it. We're really not ready to um, turn the direction and do because what many people in the church and what we've been doing, a lot of people, is we've been um, doing repentance in a worldly fashion. And I'm going to show you that too. I say unto you, swear not at all, neither by heaven, for it is God's throne, neither by the earth, it is his footstool, neither by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. Neither shalt thou swear by thy head, because thou cannot make one hair white or black. It's like, who are you to, to do that? But let, but he's saying this, but let your communication. It's funny how he comes after very serious, but how many know that we have said yes to God as being his wife? He asked us, are you going to be my bride? And we said, yeah, or we wouldn't got saved. So... And the Bible is like the marriage vow. The whole thing is like the commitment that we're supposed to agree with. And there's no prenuptial agreements in the kingdom of God. It's His way or no way. So when we get, so when we, but the thing about God is we learn what He's all about and what He wants us to do as we walk with Him. And some people, do that in marriage, but they say in sickness and health and till death do us part. But how many know people get divorced all the time? Mm 
So what are they doing? They didn't commit that. Now I'm saying in Christ is a whole different thing because when we're real truly Christians, we just don't marry people out of convenience. We really seek the Lord and do things, and we we try to <clears throat> and we with all of our heart. And s unless some crazy thing happens, we we walk it out till the end. But the world, it's just another thing we do for fashion, for for title, for convenience, for children, for this, for that. But it's not about the commitment of the covenant. And that's what God wants to talk about today. When we make words and vows with one another, we're making a covenant because we have a covenant with one another. So when we have a covenant, covenant and commitment go hand in hand. And I'm not going to be um, getting off on... There's a deep message I want to get into, Covenant. I'm still um, waiting on that message. But when we said yes to God, the thing was very simple. It, it was very simple. Whatever you want, I'll do it. Wherever you go, I'll follow. Whatever you... It's everything. So it's like that's the whole thing about... And then we find out what all that entails as we walk. So in this right here, but let, it says this, neither by your head can you swear, but let your communication be yea and yea and nay and nay. He's saying don't be swearing to one another or making, uh, you know, I swear that, but whatsoever be more than these cometh of evil. But what he's saying is when you tell someone yes, stick to it. When you tell someone no, stick to it. You say, that's not really a vow. That's what Jesus is saying is that's the way of being a Christian. Keeping your word. Keeping your appointments. Keeping your... Now we know all of the time that things come up, but there's a difference in having a, a quick yes all the time because we want to please man and do things. And then when something happens to someone once in a while, people, we know that there's many people in this room and many people that we... You know, they they're, they always try to commit their things. And then something comes up, it bothers them, but they explain it. And it's it's not just changing the date, changing the time, or just having someone else do it for you. Or replacing this, or making excuses. It's like, oh, and you try to explain, like, because it, it bothers you. Because you are a man of your word. And then we're a men and women that need to keep our word. And... That's in word and in deed. So I'm going to... Is there water here? Awesome. I'm going to show us how this falls even into repentance. Because we might... Someone might know, oh, this is wrong. And then they say they're sorry. And they say, I'm going to do that. But they really don't repent. So it happens again. So they really don't keep their word to God or to man. And it's the same thing. And a deeper, worse level, because then there's more spirits that end up getting in, involved when God is trying to make us repent of sin. See, this yay and yay is not really sin, but it's something that doesn't please God. Because we want to be re reliable with one another. When we want to um, be able to uh, uh, reliable with one another. Yeah, basically that. But I'm saying we want people to rely on us, and we want people. Um, we want to be able to rely on others. And this happens to people in jobs, in personal meetings, appointments, whatever it is. A lot of people change their mind at the last minute and it becomes a habit. And it's like, and some people get used to, oh, she's, this person, he or she is going to probably change their mind. So they already get ready for it. And there's some people that are like, oh man, I got to make sure I'm ready because that, that person's, I got an appointment with this person at this time. You just get you just know what's gonna happen. The other one you're like, okay, am I gonna get the text call? And then and we don't wanna be the one that people are always waiting, hey, he's gonna change his mind or he's gonna Now, things happen all the time. You know, you forget things, do things. We're talking about habitual practices of these things, and God wants us to get better at that because it makes us a better witness and it makes us credible and it brings him glory. Like everything else in our life, right? So that's why he's he's hitting on this this morning. 
and I'm sure it's going to hit everybody in this room in different ways, and, and, and that's what, to make us better, to be more conscious of doing it and not doing it, because in the end of the day, we want to please God, and even though, man, okay, no big deal, but it's, it's funny that somebody always has something happening, and this person once in a while has to change your commitment. So it's like, how does this happen? In general, every something always happens to some people here and there, and that, and then this person's always saying sorry, but there's never fruits of repentance. So neither, and he talks about that. So that's what Jesus is saying. He's like, yeah, don't be making these vows. He's always talking about marriage, and now we have to talk about we are married to Jesus. So everything we say and do, whatever we done to the least of these, whatever we do to one another, we do it unto Christ. So it's like we're saying yes to God when we say yes or doing something. And our heart's right, but God's saying, do not do that unless you fulfill it. And this is why I'm going to show you why this has helps us, because we want to be reliable and relied on. If you have heard it not said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a foot, but I say unto you, that you resist not, that ye resist not evil, but whosoever shall smite on the right. And it goes on and on about this. And go a mile and twain, and borrow, ask, and all these things. And love your enemy. Do them. And it goes on and on. And it says, For if you love them that love you, what reward? And this goes kind of with Joe's message about man-pleasing. Because there's some people will say yes to, and we won't mind changing it. And some people are like, oh, I'm going to make sure that I keep my appointment with this person, but this person doesn't really make, it, make that big of a deal. And vice versa. If you, them which love you, what reward have you? Don't even the publicans do the same? Salute your brother. What do more than others? Do not even to the publicans also. But thee, therefore perfect, even as your father. So God's saying he wants, he's perfecting us. For the word of God and the minister of the saints is for the what? Perfecting of the saints. That we can all come in the full stature of Christ. Which means what? Giving God glory. No one gave more glory to the Father than Jesus. And that's what he's wanting us to be like him. Jesus didn't walk around, make commitments, and break them. Right? He didn't make vows at all, but he didn't make commitments. He's saying yes, yes, no, no. He's like, he didn't say, Martha said, or Mary, whatever, oh, come, you know. She got mad, but he didn't say, I'll be right there. He just said, or he, whatever, I don't even know the complex, but he didn't say, I'll be right there and then take four days. He didn't commit to come right away, but she was upset like he committed that he'd be right there. See how people expect things to? But see, you can't expect something if you don't say it. And it keeps us from not get, um, having false expectations of things or expecting things or then getting in a, in a habit where we already expect it not to happen and we don't want to have that reputation. Are you guys following where, where I'm at? Yeah. All right. And, and it goes on, for if we, if you fast, it, why are we so fast? To, so it says this, and therefore, therefore perfect even as your Father, which is in heaven, is perfect. So God is speaking about keeping our word. Keeping our word. And more so with the bro brother and then the world. But how are they going to, if we rule and run like the world, how are, they, how are we going to be looked at any different? And even at work, you say, oh, you know, I'll start that job next week. And then the person says, and that, and then all of a sudden it's three weeks, and they call them there. You know, you might do great work. And then the person gets a reference. He's like, Oh yeah, he does great work, but he's very unreliable. Then all of a sudden, it gets around as unreliable. It's like, oh man, I just I need someone reliable. So all of a sudden, someone's like, yeah, I like his work, I like him, but it's like I need someone reliable because I need to do this, and I need to know because I'm a very scheduled type of person. So it ends up being a bad witness as well. So why are we so fast to commit to say yes? It's because we have the heart to please man. But see, that comes in man-pleasing. But see, if you're not really ready to back it, you're going to displease God. 
see, it's not really a bad because we see, oh, I just want to please them and I want to make, so we're happy to, first of all, to commit. That's why people, they join or go to big churches and there's all these things and all of a sudden they commit here and commit there and commit there and they're like, all of a sudden they realize they're in all the, committing to all these places in the church and they're like, oh my gosh, which I can't do all this. And all of a sudden it's like, which one? And they're like, ah, oh, this was too much. I'm sorry that I committed to this. I'm sorry that I committed. Because they didn't count the cost. They didn't think. They didn't put it. Because when we commit to something, we should make it first, no matter what it is. Or don't do it. And that's why what God wants us to do. Because when we don't do this, we end up creating whirlwinds in our life. Because now, you've committed to someone real fast. Oh yeah, I'm going to do, I'll, I'll, I'll do this this day. Because a lot of people like schedules. And then all of a sudden, this day comes and the person's like, but then that night, this other person called and a job came up. And then, that's more important now because, or what is more important, keeping your word or money? Or what's more important, keeping your word or this person? So all of a sudden now, it's like, do I please this man or this man? Or hey, this man, I don't know what might happen if I don't take this, I might lose it or this opportunity. This man, I know he's always so nice and forgiving and I'll just blow this commitment off and, and then all of a sudden all this is, it happens in our life. So we're always in a whirlwind trying to please everybody and all we have to do is stick to our first steadfast commitments with one another and the Word of God and everything's scheduled out and there every everything's and learn to trust God. It's like God's going to honor your first commitment instead of you honoring you because you did something for the sake of money or time or someone else that or you're trying to get in a new door or something an opportunity because then it's all selfish because God's going to say you know what that person say oh man I'd love to be there Monday or Tuesday morning but I made this commitment they're going to honor you more for sticking to that other commitment than because later you're going to be in communication with that person and something else is going to happen they're going to learn hey the same thing you see, it's going to be like, wow, that person, I'm offering this or that. And it's like they made a commitment and they're like, oh, I like someone that. They, see, we don't think that way because and all of a sudden we get in this whirlwind. And we're like, we've got to do this and do this. And we never have. And God likes not to schedule out the Holy Spirit, not be led by the Spirit, but committing unto one another. Like, like Jesus said, let your yeas be yea and your nays be yea. Keep your word. And if you don't, explain why and give us... But when we get in a habit of this, and we all do it to some form and fashion. And then, people, you know, they want... And they're like, well, that would be the last resort. They're like, because they don't want to go through the whole thing. They like, a lot of people like, you know, they're very scheduled people. They like to schedule their week. So all in between their schedule, they can just be led by the Spirit to be free. But if we're always got to jump with someone this and that, we, we really can't be free because we're so unscheduled that we have to be, always be ready to meet with someone, do this, do this, and all of a sudden we're like, the things that we need to get done don't end up getting done, and then the devil's putting us in a whirlwind. Okay. Talks about mortifying the deeds of the flesh, and it goes in, it says, and you put on the new man renewed in the knowledge. And then it talks about Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, the beloved vows of mercy, kindness, forgiving one, forbearing one another, forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel with one another, forgive them. And all these things put on love. It says, rule your hearts as you're called one body and be thankful. And here it is. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly with all wisdom and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns. Whatsoever you do, whatsoever you do, verse 17, do in word or in deed. In other words, do whatever you say, do it. Word and in deed. Do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. And then it goes also again, right after that, about wives submit unto your own husbands as fit for the Lord. Husbands, love your wives. Children, obey your parents. So it's all about that. Servants, obey all things as your master according to the flesh, and I serve not as men please, but in singleness of heart, fearing God. And whatsoever you do, do it heartily as unto the Lord. Now, 
How many of us in this room would, if Jesus appeared in flesh, would say yes to him the next day and not meet, meet for an appointment? Right? Or a celebrity, or somebody you fought, or, right? But we do it consciously because it's not a big deal to us. But to God, he sees us all as Christ. So, he's saying, And whatsoever you do, do it heartedly as unto the Lord and not unto men, knowing that the Lord, <clears throat> that the Lord you shall receive a reward and inheritance, for you serve the Lord Christ. Is he in flesh? No. But what we're doing in flesh is unto the Lord. But they that doeth wrong shall receive the wrong which they have done, and they that God is no respect of persons. So we see right there what he's talking about. So God puts many of us in test. He's actually testing us. Just like Joseph was in all these tests from every place he went. It was a test. God tests us at our job, tests us with one another, tests us with our families, tests us with our spouse. And he tests us with our words. And he puts us in situations to where we are able to make agreements or say something. And he watches if we're going to follow through. And when we follow through, he's able to promote us. He's able to bless us. He's able to do the things that he wants us to do. And that right goes to repentance. When he gives us conviction and everything, and we say, God, I repent, I want, because we have this sorrow and we feel bad about it. And we feel bad, oh, yeah, we, we had a commitment, but we broke it. We feel bad, but it's like, they'll get over it. It's not a big deal. But to God, sees everything as a big deal. That's what Jesus said. It is important. It's not like a marriage vow where you, because don't, <clears throat> don't do that type of swearing. But let your yeas be yea, and your nays be Let your yeses be yeses, and your noes be no. Don't be so quick to say yes and not follow through. And don't be quick to say no when maybe God wants you to do it. So that's why be slow to speak, slow to get angry. And and in this way, we can think about things. It doesn't take long to just pray in silence, ask God, and, really, and then make a decision. But we're so ready to please everybody, and we, want to, and we think pleasing everybody is always pleasing God, but it isn't if we don't follow through. But it is pleasing God if it is led by God. If God's getting us to be faithful, to be to fulfill our commitments and to follow through on everything that we say we're going to do, and when we do it, it brings Him glory, whether people know it or not. So these are just character things that the character of Christ. Jesus didn't go around telling people, yes, He even tried not to go to the wedding, but His mom talked Him into it. But He didn't tell everybody, uh, I'm not going to the wedding. He didn't know yet what the next days would bring. So he waited and committed. And then some people say, well, I'm not going to ever commit to nothing. God don't like that either. He don't like people that aren't, aren't available and ready. That's the whole thing about serving and being, being available. So there's this whole thing about just doing things right, not just and a lot of people just, well, I'm not going to do anything because I don't want to commit. Then God's like, you're, you're worse too. You never are available to do nothing. You never commit to nothing. You just... Do things whenever you want. So there's this there's this fine line, which is the narrow way that Jesus is trying to get us onto that we might bring him glory. And God tests are for what? Why does God test us? To reveal our hearts. He tests us to reveal our hearts. He knows how our heart is. Sometimes we don't even know. We might sometimes think. We're better than we are. We're more capable than we can be. We are able to do more things than we think we can or we want to. So he'll begin to do these things and begin to show us, and that's what tests are for. And we continue to pass the test, then he promotes us. He promotes us. Just like Joseph, he passed the test with that. He got lied about all this, but then he went to prison and then he ended up going from the prison into being sec second uh, in command of Potter into the second 
in command of the whole nation of Egypt because he passed all the tests. And that woman was just mad because he wouldn't do what she wanted him to do. So she took his garments or whatever and lied about him because she was so mad. But it wasn't a one-time thing. The Bible says she persisted, continuously tried, and he didn't give in. He didn't give in. And finally she got so mad. So she's like, and she probably felt so stupid. How are you going to be around the guy that the rejection, all that, and this guy, and you... You're like Potiphar's wife and you have all this money and all this thing and this young guy, I mean, how can you have this guy in your house now? He had to do something, right? And it's a very awkward situation. So she had to lie about him. So when we're lied about, are we going to be able to keep doing what God's telling us to do and keep everything righteous and still know that God put me in this situation even though and he's going to bring me out and stay there till the promotion happens? To reveal our hearts. First John three eighteen through nineteen. My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue. That's it, man. For tongue, Jesus even said they worship me list with the hearts far from me. He was talking about the Jews of his time, and God speaks to many of us in the church right now. We say that, oh, I love you, God, but then we don't do the fruits that resemble love. But in deed and in truth, my literature, let us know that. Do you, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and truth. So you, we all the time say, oh, I love you, sister. I love you, brother. But then later on, when love is tested, we fail. Right? So it's like you're, you're, you're loving in tongue. And that's a lot in the religious lingo. Oh, I love you, man. I know it's... You, a lot of our friends, they started getting annoyed. Oh, I love you, brother. All the time. It's like, stop. Enough to because you haven't even proved one commitment. You're not willing to commit to nothing, first of all. And then you're always love. You don't love. Love is sacrifice. Love, we know what that is, right? Love, this message is not on that today. But So he's like, yeah, so you're not, you say you love, but you don't really do it. It's easy for love this person, but not this person. So don't say you love, I just love everybody. You know, people say that all the time. And hereby we know that the word, that we are of the truth. And we, and, and this is First John 3, 18-19. And shall assure our hearts before him. See, when we com, 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 keep committing to our yes and to our no, it's even if you say no and you change, that's fine too. But when you say yes and then say no or do it, that's a little different. Never this, when Jesus said the one that said, Lord, I'll go, go, and they didn't go, that was just basically what he was saying. And then the other one said, no, I'm, I'm not doing that. And then later on, it's like, he started getting committed. He said, okay, Lord, I'll go. Which one was right? The one that first said no and then repented and went, and the other one was wrong, even though he wanted to please God right away. He wanted to... Be the man, you know, he wanted to help, he wanted to, but right away he's like, oh, I can't do that, I can't, don't want to do that. And this was, right there is the example that Jesus was giving about our yeas and our nays. So when we see where in word and in deed we must bear the fruit, there's always fruit. Well, when we say yes, what's the fruit? It happens. When and what, where and how? We say it. It's not that we're bad or evil people, but it's like God's trying to make us better so we can be better, so we can be what? Counted on one another. Or what was that word I used earlier? Account, um, reliable. It's very important to be reliable. We all rely on God, right? Even though we don't see him, we don't feel him, we have, we have to know. But if, 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 if God, Jesus was never reliable, how would we even keep our faith? So how do we keep our faith in one another if we're unreliable? So now I'm going to talk about how God sees with repentance. Here is the world's definition of, of, of repentance. This is the world's definition right here. Taken right out of the action of repenting, sincere regret or remorse. 
but it's not repenting. It says remorse, con con contrition, penitence, sorrow. Penitence might be a little bit of it, but sorrow, regret, shame, none of these are repentance. Guilt, self-reproach, self-condemnation. Self, uh, co uh, compunction, conver conversion, maybe a little bit. They got a few of these sy synonyms with it, but their whole thing is, and that's what the whole world says, oh, if I acknowledge that I'm wrong, it's repentance, it's not. And that's what a lot of us do. God, I know I'm wrong. But basically, the world says this as well. Repentance... Is the, this is what the world says. Dependence is the act of saying sorry or asking for forgiveness for sins and wrongdoings. An example of repentance is praying to God, asking for forgiveness, but it's not. But that's what the world has said, and that's what they teach one another. And that's why nobody really repents. Everybody feels sorry for what they do, but nobody ever changes direction or actually decides to kill it. Because when you repent, you kill it. This is what God, this is what God showed me what his repentance looks like. To turn from sin or dedicate oneself to the amendment of one's life. To rearrange your entire way of thinking, feeling, and being in order to forsake that which was wrong. Going one way, you stop and you turn and you do not, and you humble yourself and you and my English is wrong. Not do it, then humble. I meant to put yourself here. And we, and know. Okay, and then know and know and have faith. You're clean because you're really doing it. Because but when you really know in your heart, I'm not really ready to give it up, Ryan. But I feel so bad about it. God knows that. And then there's never any fruit. And then you don't feel good. So you can't have that confidence. And so you can't get the joy. That righteousness brings. You can't get the peace. And the world's all the time. And some people don't. We know now in the world, some people aren't even close to even having any remorse. The world just looks for some type of remorse. Some people don't even have a remorse. And they're like, man, that person killed all those kids or did this. And they have even no remorse about it. You ever hear like, see, remorse is not repentance. What would be repentance is that guy had the remorse, but he, then he actually gave his life to Jesus, and he's a new creation. He's a new person. So that criminal, he might get lesser time because he feels bad at what he did, but it's not going to change his life. Repentance brings change. Whether it's direction, whether it's uh, thinking of the way you think and feel, and the way your heart thinks about somebody else and yourself. So that's why John the Baptist said, Bring forth fruits worthy of what? Repentance. Not worthy of remorse. He didn't say, I want everyone to sit there. That's the Old Testament. Jesus was coming, and he's like, no, not, no longer rend your garments, but rend your heart. So when we do things that hurt God, it shows the faster we repent, it shows us the more that we love him. Because if that's the love of God that draws men to repentance. So the more that we love Him, we repent faster. Many people have always taken that, and it probably is that way too, that it's His love that makes us want to repent. But what if we think about it this way? It's the love of God. I love God so much, i got to repent. I've never heard that before. I just got that on the spot just now. So what if that's actually it? And everyone says, God is so love, and that's why we But what if it's... The love of God draws men to repentance. I love God, and I know he's upset with this, so I don't want to do it anymore because I love him, and I love him more than myself. So you know what? I have to do this because I want His, I want to be right standing with him. 2 Corinthians 7, 1 through 11. Having therefore these promises, dear beloved, cleanse ourselves from the filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Receive us the wrong no, wrong no man we have corrupted no man we have defrauded no man i speak not of the to condemn you for i have said before that you are in our hearts to die and to live with you great is 
or boldness of speech toward you. Great is my glorying of you. I am filled with comfort and exceedingly joyful in all tribulation. Why? Because their heart is clean. They're repented. They're not just lip service. And God's testing us, lip service, okay, now do it. And when we don't, He can't count on us. Nevertheless, God that comforted those that are cast down, comforted us by the coming of Titus, and not by His coming only, but by the consolation wherewith He was comforted in you when He told us, earnest desire your mourning and fervent mind toward me that you, that I rejoice the more. For though I made you sorry, see, in letter, Paul couldn't just talk to him, but whatever he said to him in letter, when he said, oh, you know, you hurt my feelings. Oh, I'm sorry. But why did you do that? God, let me repent about it. Let me not do that again and show me what made me do that, God, because I don't want to hurt people. Right? Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Everyone's sorry. Sorry. It's like, no, you're not. You're a worldless. You're sorry that this person's mad at you, you're sorry you got caught, or you're sorry that you've been exposed, or you're sorry that, you know, that you lost your temper, this and that. But repenting is like, God, make me a better person. Get rid of this thing. I'm changing my mind, changing friends, place, anything, doing whatever it takes, you know. Oh, God, I can't believe I got high. But you know what? You still stashed your, your drug pipe somewhere, and you, you didn't destroy it. You know, because one day you realize you're going to do it again. That's not repenting. That's just sorry because you feel horrible about what you did. Repentance means, God, we're gonna. I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm repenting. And then God gives us the power. Like we cannot change everything without His power. That's where the cross comes in. But God's not going to give you the, the cross. The double-minded man is unstable in all his ways, receiving nothing from the Lord. So you're not going to receive the power from God from above because you're double-minded because you don't commit you always say yes to God but you don't want to follow through he's not wasting his power on you but when you really repent the miracles the change the deliverance the joy the righteous come because it's the kingdom the kingdom is not ever a problem the world is we are but when we start to try to manipulate God and think he doesn't see or feel everything he'll bring us to a place where we really have so much sorrow that eventually we have to repent, but why go through the valley forever when it can be right there now? And that's where keeping commitments to God and man come hand in hand. God, I won't do that again, but you do it. Why? Because you didn't really change. Kill it. You got to kill it. You don't kill it, it's there. It's just going. It's just. Okay. The roots say you just chop the tree and just get it comes up again. Chop the tree. When the tree comes up, the fruit starts being everybody sees it. So oh, I gotta cut the tree again. But you know what? I'm not getting rid of that. So you cut the tree, and oh wow, everyone you make everyone think you're repented and you're sorry and you're remorseful, just like the world. But it grows up and it comes out and the fruit manifests again and again and again. Because until the root's gone, the fruits are always going to come back. And that's with anything in our life. So it takes the power of God to change these absolutes in our life. It's not There's nothing we can do on our own. That's where He comes in and the cross comes in. The cross means nothing to those that are perishing. But to us that believe, believe what? The Word, believe His power, believe the light. It is the power of God. And people say, oh, this person... Because when someone truly repents, f new fruits start to come. It's not just not there anymore. Oh, I can't look. This guy's, it's like a facade. It's a fig leaf. It's just not, you know, you don't see it, but eventually it comes right back. Sorrows last for a few nights. And joy comes a little bit because you've convinced yourself that you've really changed. But then when... The circumstance comes again you're not really delivered because it still has something in you that bears fruits out of it so 
And, okay, so nevertheless, God covered those who cast on covenant coming to Titus, and through, I made you sorry with a letter, I do not repent, though I did repent. For I perceive the same epistle had made you sorry. Like what I said to you made you sorry, though it were but for a season. He's not saying, he's like, just because you feel bad, I'm not repenting that I did it, I'm glad. I'm glad you feel bad, because... What I'm telling you, you need to hear it. That's what he's saying, right? So he's saying, I'm not going to repent for that just because you feel bad. And don't put this emotional witchcraft on me or your little shenanigans or your crying and weeping and your little sad story, all the things that we do to make everybody feel bad for us. Paul's like, I'm glad I did. I don't care how you feel because I know this is what you need. Right? So that's what he's saying. He says, though I did. And, and, and he's saying, I, 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 I do not repent. Though I did repent, he's he, he Paul's saying right there, I'm I'm now rejoice not that you were made sorry, but that you sorrowed to repentance. Rejoice that you sorrowed to repentance, not that you just sorrowed. See that? How do you do that? Well, you you're sorry, but then you never repent. That's what you're saying. Then you're rejoicing. I think people rejoice. They think they repent. The devil makes them think they repent because they feel so bad and they've confessed it, but they're really not killing it. And there's no true deliverance. Right? Yeah, they came out of Egypt. Remember that Egypt was still on their hearts and minds. So really, they were in Egypt in their heart when they left Egypt. And God took them around the, around the wilderness as long as to get Egypt out of them. Though I sorrow, but that yea sorrow to repentance. For you were made sorry after a godly manner that you might receive damage by us in nothing. For godly sorrow worketh repentance to what? Salvation. And what is Salvation. Mind, body, free, freedom, joy. What does it say? The, the joy of the Lord is my... What does it bring back to the joy of my salvation? Right? The fruits. We see the fruits of you. People say, oh, I'm doing great. But you're like, oh, something's up. And that's why we live a lifestyle of repentance. When God... That's like, God's like, we're always changing. So always change takes repentance. No repentance, there's never any change. I don't care how many self-help people you... You might look changed on the outside. You might be able to convince some people, but until your heart changes only by the transformation, by the glory and the power of God, there's true fruits. That's why people that go to these programs, these 12-step programs, they're, they're not doing the thing. They just keep cutting the tree every day, but the roots are still there, so they're always an addict. They're always... This they're always that, but they're just not bearing the fruit because daily they're just cutting down in their self-help and motivation things. But they're really not free. They really don't have the joy. They're really masking everything in the reality of true freedom. And in the world, they make the world say, "Oh, look, just as I don't do that, I'm free from it." But then, if you're free from it, why do you tell people that you're in bondage to it even when you're not doing it? <laughs> so some people are in bondage to the sin even though they're not doing it because they're not repenting. Now I rejoice not that you were made sorry, but then God started to repentance for you were made sorry after a godly manner that you might receive damage by nothing. For godly sorrow worked with repentance to salvation, not to be repented of, but the sorrow of the world works death. And I think that's where people, and that's the definition of repentance is the world is the sorrow of the world is what they're trying to get people to come in agreement with is real repentance. But, out, but without repentance, there is no remission of sins. So, you're still carrying sin, convincing. That's what false grace is all about, convincing that. But you're not bearing the fruits of, of true repentance. And you go all around the mountain, around the mountain. And then it manifests, and then you're mad again, and then you cut the tree. And it's like, you got to repent. Because God's right there. And God will, in a godly sorrow... But sometimes it's your own sorrow because you start getting mad at yourself. 
You get the manager you You're not keeping commitments. You're not keeping your word to God. You're telling other people, I'm not going to do this anymore, but you do it again. And you start feeling bad and you start not forgiving your own self. And even again, even there, you're also into the same position of not repenting. For behold, the self-same thing that you sorrowed after a godly sort, what carefulness is it wrought in you? Yea, what clearing of yourselves? Yea, what indignation? Yea, what fear? Yea, what vehement desire? Yea, what zeal? Yea, what revenge? In all things you have approved yourselves to be clear in this matter. You're clean. True repentance has the fruits of what? Freedom, joy, and righteousness. People know when you're not righteous because you have no boldness and you have no... You're Because we don't like to be hypocrites. Like if you know you're not right, you, you can't really minister. You can't be bold. You can't stand in truth. You can't... Because you just don't... You know that... It's just something. That's what the devil tries to keep on you. Condemnation, guilt, shame. All these things that we were in the world living that we couldn't do the right things. But now we have the throne of God. We can go boldly anytime we need to the throne of grace and receive the blood. And the, where the blood is is where the power is. And where the blood is is where the commitment is. And where the brother dwell in unity is where the oil and joy is. So if we're not in sincerity and truth, if we're not repenting we can't receive the benefits of the cross and it says daily and I think it's in 66 or 8 or, or chapter 88 of Psalms it says he daily loads us with benefits so every day we our benefits start drying up because of the things because God wants to whatever it takes for him to change us he's going to do it but if we learn to repent and learn how to repent. And then even if you make a mistake, it's like when you're already repenting, it's easy to do it. But when you just keep cutting it and not ripping it out and changing their direction, changing the thought process, changing every direction from the opposite way that you're doing, repentance like this. You're going this way, you make a total U-turn and go the other way. And... And when you don't repent, you begin to question, well, I, well, why don't, I don't know, it wasn't that bad, or what, it's just like, God's telling you to repent, and you're trying to convince God to just let me keep it. I won't manifest it, but let me just keep it in my heart. I won't manifest, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to actually play it out, but I'm, I, I'll just keep it in my heart. Because I, I just like, I, I just, I just like it. Or even though you don't do it, you might think about doing it for years. So you're never free. It's like always something you want to do. So it takes the power of God to clean our hearts. The last scripture, I didn't want to be long today because I wanted just to get to the point. Hebrews 12, and everyone probably knows where I'm going with this one. Hebrews 12, 8-17. But if, yea, being without chastisement, where are your partakers, then you are bastards and not sons. Furthermore, we had fathers of our flesh which corrected us and gave them reverence. Shall we not much rather be in subjection unto the Father of Spirits? Means talking about God and live. He's like, and we gave them reverence, and we don't want to even reverend God or one another when God's speaking through each other to try to help us. For there are, for they verily for a few days chasten us until their own pleasure, but. He for our prophet that we might be partakers of his holiness. Now, see, holiness is repentance. You're set apart. Fully set apart. That means your yeses, you keep them. Your noes, you keep them. The world doesn't. But see, are we, me are we measuring ourselves with, with, with what the world, everyone says? It. No. We want to measure ourselves to Christ. And that means, oh, we got a lot, a lot of work to do. Or there's a lot of work we got to allow him to do, is really what it is. So, and it takes a repentance of everything that he, he shows us. Because that's why he's correcting us, because he wants us to repent. It's not like we have this 
get saved, say a prayer, repent one time kind of attitude it's like, and then we don't change. But it's a continuing, God shows through whatever, through dreams, through each other, through the body, through the word of God, through this, through telling you himself and you know it. And then what? You repent because you have knowledge of it, then you change. That's why we go through things to become better things. Well, not, not things, but better people. So we go through things that things get better too in our life, that we change our character. And as we change our character, the things that bind us begin not to bind us no more. It's called transformation. And then that's why many people are stuck because they're not, or they don't, they have a false understanding, a worldly understanding of repentance. It's not groveling and beating yourself up. It's changing. It's letting God's power work in you. No matter what, you're going to fight it. And not just for a, a few days or weeks, but finish, kill it. For very that for a few days, I chasten as unto your own pleasure, but profit we may be partakers of his holy. Now the chastening of the present, for this present, seemeth to be, be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, after it yielded the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised, which that those that do it. Wherefore, lift up your hands, which hang low, and your feeble knees. When you really repent, you don't have to be sorry anymore. Sorry for what? It's, it's under the blood. If you're always sorry every day, too, you're still sorry about yesterday's sin, you really haven't repented. Because when you repented, you don't feel sorry anymore. You keep telling someone, I'm so I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry I did that. And even three days later, you're still thinking about something, you did something, you didn't repent. Because he cleans your conscience. And make straight paths for your feet, lest that which is lame be turned out of the way. But let it rather be healed. Repentance brings healing as well. Follow peace with all men and holiness, which no man, without no man, will see God, the Lord. Looking diligently, lest any man fall of grace, the grace of God. Lest any, see, unrepented people begin to establish roots of bitterness. Because they get up mad at themselves, they get mad at everyone else, because it's always someone else's fault. When God's dealing with every one of us individually, that's it. doesn't matter. It's not up to you to make someone else repent. Up to us individually. And when we don't do it, that root of bitterness begins to come out and choke out because it's a root, right? You never cut the root. So eventually you just get tired of fighting when all you had to do is repent. You get tired of being sorry and you just get false joy. You get tired of being wrong so you make yourself right. You get tired of a worldly sorrow and you just give up. And then you're bitter because you're stuck. Because you are you're stuck, you can't move if there's a root holding on to your freedom. And it says, Lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and wherefore many be defiled. Lest there be any fornicator or profane person as Esau, who for one morsel of meat sold his birthright. So like, he said yes. The guy offered him. He took the temptation, but he never repented. He could have went to God and said, Oh my God, what was I doing, God? And just repented. He didn't. And it says, For you know how that afterward he would have inherited the blessing. He was rejected, for he found no place of repentance, though he sought it carefully with tears. Shows you right there. He was very sorry. He sought it carefully with tears. He looked for repentance but never found it. That's really deeper. There's like, he knew he was wrong but never changed. He knew it and he was upset about it, but he didn't commit his word to God about it. And in that, 
he lost his birthright. We have to know. It says, he was rejected. He found no place of repentance. So repentance brings us back in connection. It, it dismantles the thing that disconnected us with God for a moment, for a season, for correction. Because when God corrects us, how many people have been punished in, uh, right away? They spank their child, but then right away they're already there. The child's going to be like loving on them. The child's going to be like, what's going on? This loving person is beating me. It's like, no. They correct their child, then they leave the room, and they wait for that correction. They wait for that child. They're, they're being tested. See, are they going to get angry? Are they going to begin to rebel? Are they going to come and acknowledge and repent and go to the parents and, and then the love and everything and then the child grows? Or does the child become rebellious and rebellious and every time you correct them, they get worse and worse? See, some children get, they get corrected. They get chastened and they get better and better and then they get chastened less and less. Or some children get chastened more and more and more and they get rebelled more and more and more. That's the difference right there. It isn't that God loves anybody different. It's how do we love God more? That I love Him and I'm going to repent. Not because I don't want to do that. I love that. I love that. I want that. I want this. That's what Whatever the tempter's tempting me with, it's like, but you know what? God's more important and I want what He has not what the devil can tempt me with. So even if it's our belly. And then it says something that our, says, because your belly is your God, you'll have the fruits of what you desire. And what is the belly? It's our appetite. Well, that's in the flesh, but in the spirit we have an appetite. And he calls it our inner man and our belly. It's like, what do we really want? Everybody can stand up. So Father, I ask you that you show us how to keep our yeses, yes, and our noes, noes, and our yeas, yeas, and our nays, nays, and what we commit to. And when you correct us, too, when we tell you, oh, yes, Lord, that we repent. And we begin to be promoted and unstuck and, 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 and not just cut the new fruit or cut the thing down to the earthly level again, but rip the thing out of our life, God that we are being transformed into your image because you needed not to repent because you lived a holy lifestyle. So, Father, we ask that it is the goodness of God, the love of God, the, the awesomeness of God that draws me to repentance. It means God is more important than my desire to want to be right, my desire to want to be offended, my desire... To, to want a man please my desire to 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 for pride and, and, and want to be seen with, with a false with a with, with false repentance or a false worldly sorrow that makes it look like I'm humble but it's false humility because true humility brings true repentance false humility makes one look like they're repenting but the next day they've never made the change They've never changed. So, Father, we thank you. Nothing can be done without your blood. Nothing can be done without your word. Nothing can be done without us committing to you, God. Father, we ask, we humble ourselves under your mighty hand, God. And we ask you to help us in all of these areas. That when we commit to you, when we commit to one another, when we make our pledge, that we're not just trying to please man and get ourselves in a whirlwind. We're just trying to please you. We're not just trying to tell people we're sorry because we're trying to shut the whirlwind down around us. But the next day, now we're carrying spirits with us because the devil's working with us because we're not repenting. But God, I don't want a worldly sorrow. I want a sorrow in my soul that brings me joy, that brings me repentance, that brings me to change the way I think, the direction I go and the things that I'm doing wrong. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.